All right, we'll gather again together. Uh, I'll answer these questions as we kind of uh, gather together. Um, so someone says, so if I can't get to the box, is there any value in praying the act of contrition prayer? 100%. The act of contrition prayer um, is the prayer that the priest asks you to pray uh, to kind of solidify that you have the, the matter to bring there. The act of contrition is a prayer that, uh, you know, oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee. And I detest all my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell. But most of all, because they offend thee, my God, who art all good and deserving of all my love, I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen. So the act of contrition kind of brings not only your sins, but also solidifies the fact that you are contrite to some degree. Even if it, the reason, the only reason you're confessing is like, I think I'm afraid of hell. Good enough. Good to confess. Um Perfect contrition that the saints talk about is contrition that, like, I'm sorry because it offends you and I love you. So that's more perfect contrition. We all try to get to that point. But sometimes there's, like, I'm afraid of going the other way, Lord, so I'm sorry for it. Um, so, yes, pray the act of contrition if it's, like, I am on a flight and it is starting to shake and I it might go down. Pray that act of contrition. Just be like, okay, I promise to get to confession as soon as I can. Um, there's confessions tomorrow at my mass, uh, at my home parish. If, if this if this flight lands, I'll get there. Um, so yes, pray the act of contrition if you're kind of in between um, places where you can get there. So there is value in praying the act of contrition as kind of a beautiful placeholder, making that, making that vow like, I'll get there, Lord. So the act of contrition is good. Who do priests con confess to? Priests confess to other priests. So I have, um, I'll talk about a confessor. I'll just jump ahead then. Um, you know, number 16, confessor. A confessor is a priest who takes on a role that you actually give permission to say like, hey, remember me and remember my things from point to point. Um, it's not plausible in a large parish like this, unless there's like very rare um, you know, like it's a very special case. But so priests, I uh, I had a confessor, Father Goodwin. I don't know if you know him, but he was in Davie. But he got pulled to Washington, D.C. to help the the uh, Church of America. So I, I'm now going to try to go to Monsignor Tucker as my confessor. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to ask him, like, you know, hey, best you can remember things that I confess, bring them together, time together. So I'm going to give him permission to, um, it's my seal, right? It's my seal because I'm the confessor. I'm going to give him permission to, I don't want to say break it, but like use it to my benefit because I, I trust him. So he wouldn't tell other people 100%, but um, that's who priests confess. Priests confess to other priests, okay? Because before, before God, I'm still trying to work on my own salvation, and before the people, I'm the mediator to get you to him. So I'm working on my own salvation as well. Hence why I need a priest. Great question. Can priests, or have they, send others to do wellness checks on families and children? Um, yeah, so wellness checks uh, that was shared based on something that... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so say, can a priest be like, hear a confession... And then step outside of that confession and it's like, hey, can you make sure that this person isn't alone or something for self-harm reasons? Um, 
the the long the short answer is no we cannot change how we act outside of the confessional what we can do in the confessional is plead with them plead with them like please give me a call here's my number please like let's meet after this please let's let's go for a walk like um i will stop confessions if i do hear like self-harm is involved just to be like hey can we just go for a talk and this way it's outside of the seal of confession and i can help you more so i can't break the seal of confession even if there's self-harm but i promise you every priest is pleading with that person like can we meet right away like can we just can we just go walk after this is done um the few times that that has occurred um yes they instantly were like yes let's talk uh so I cannot, if they do not come to me outside that, I cannot tell someone else like, hey, why don't you go just hang out with them a little bit more? Can't even hint. Can't even hint at what they confessed. Um, yes, but it is a serious thing, but I promise you, we are pleading with them like, please, let's just talk right outside of this right now. Do you have to be Catholic to go to confession? Beautiful question, yeah. So it is... Um, what happened is in other Christian denominations, um, so we have had the seven sacraments for 2,000 years, um, scripturally, um, based on what, and apostolically, based on what was handed on. So the church has been having these seven sacraments for 2,000 years. But what happened in the 1500s um, with the Protestant Reformation is that they actually removed um, seven down to, and it depends on the religion, either Calvinist, uh, Lutheranism, or um, what was the third one? So Calvinist and Luther, so Calvin and Luther were the, the two big ones at the time. Who was Zwingli? Zwingli did what? I forget. The, so the third one, but they actually reduced the seven sacraments to two or three, depending on the religion. So they actually removed the sacrament of confession because why you need Jesus there, meaning you need a priest there. So um, it wouldn't be open until, this is a beautiful thing, until a few weeks or a period of time before you're coming into the faith. So what's gonna happen is before Easter in March, we are gonna open it up where those who are coming into the faith uh, can are they are offered confession, and so uh, last time I did this, we just well, I was at St. Joe's, and those who are joining the faith get confession uh, a period of time before the Easter vigil. Actually, it's their right as those coming into the faith to receive confession and forgiveness. So um, no, so the answer short answer is no. Well, like yes, you need to be a Catholic to receive confession. But the other answer is, if you are joining the faith, you have a right before joining the faith, a period of time that you have the right to confession. So yeah, we'll offer that to those joining the faith like a couple weeks before the Easter Vigil. Same question about self-harm. What if there is harm of children potentially? Uh, can they send someone to check on the child if there is confession harming a child? Yeah, same exact same exact deal. Like we are pleading with that person like, hey, you know, we have resources. Seems like you are at a spot where you are harming the people, uh, are harming these children. Like, please, we have spots. We have St. Gianna's. We have, we have everything. And I will just say like, hey, how about we just chat really quickly after this confession? And then it's outside of the seal. So 
uh, best we can, we will plead with these people in any kind of any kind of way um, to get them outside to help, because that's what we have the resources and the places to help. It's a very sad, sad, sad thing, but um, I have not heard anything to that degree, nor do I know of any priests who have had a, you know, not we don't like talk about confession by any means, but um, that's not one that has been come across or, or very common. But but again, we do the same exact thing where even if we're a little bit sly, like, hey, how about we just talk outside of confession about this? That's outside of the seal. And then I'm a mandated reporter. And then it's like, you brought this up to a mandated reporter. I have to call. So um, I will tell you, we will be as innocent as doves, but as sly as serpents is what uh, Christ has asked us to. He literally asked us to do that. The children of this age know how to deal with the children of this age. Um, so be as innocent as doves, but as sly as serpents. So I will do something like that. Um, all priests are mandated reporters. Um, so we have to balance that as well. Like, um, is there a confession? Is there not? If someone who is, uh, you know, you try to start the confession, it's like, are, we're not in the, we're not in confession. You're just like talking at me. Like you, you're not going to confession right now. No, I'm just telling you things. And that's not under confession. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we are all mandated reporters, and that's good. Good questions, very, very difficult. Um, it's a beautiful sacrament. We do, I mean, we protect it. But we also are, you know, living in the reality of, like, how can we get people help? So it's beautiful. All right, how do I prepare for confession? How do I prepare con for confession? Um, the world is allergic to feeling guilty is the first kind of phrase I'm going to bring, bring up to you. Um, the average person guilt, guilt is like, everyone is saying like, that's a no, no, don't, don't even feel any guilt whatsoever. But I'm going to offer you this maybe counter, counter offer to get to, to hone that a little bit or to speak more precisely. Okay. Insight into your guilty feelings or experiences can produce a longing for a better self. And that that's contrition. That's what contrition is. You feel that little bit of guilt of like, I should be doing this, or I shouldn't be doing that. That longing is actually healthy. There is a health to that little bit of guilt if you do it in the right way. So the first part is to really sit with an experience of an area that I feel guilt. You know, mine was that like how I treated my grandma as, as she was dying. And so sitting with that guilt can, can offer a longing to be better, a longing to free you from what you did or didn't do. And here's the second thing. This is key. So if you are becoming Catholic, remember, like, um, you know, through TV, through movies, what do they always talk about? Catholic guilt. Um, what I think they're talking about is this. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. Guilt, I would say, is healthy. Guilt is something that says, I did this wrong, or I should have done this, and I didn't. So guilt is that beautiful experience to kind of hone yourself to steps to becoming, to healing and becoming better. I like, you know, it's an alarm system. It kind of, it's, it kind of rings when it's like, that should not have been done. And you're like, yeah, that's good. Shame is the opposite. Shame is very accusatory. Shame Shame is pointing a finger at yourself and calling you dirty, unlovable, not wanted, not good enough. Shame is something that locks people into place and they are unable to move out of it. 
So when I'm in the confessional and if there's something that is there that I don't hear guilt, I hear shame, I just kind of ask, like, you know, you don't, sometimes the priests are very mechanical and it's just like, you have confessed, here's your penance, you are, you are forgiven. Sometimes, you know, you kind of hear something pastorally and it's like, you know, just maybe want you to consider this, if that's okay. But that's the big difference I want you guys to discern within yourself and maybe come to the priest to help you discern it too. Shame is unhealthy. Get it out of your life best you can. Shame is something that is not going to do you any good. So if you feel that, if you feel more like a pointing finger and titles and labels, that's shame. But guilt is more like, oh, okay, shouldn't have done that. I can do better than that. Um, so that would be a beautiful prayer to maybe start bringing into your own lives. The difference between guilt and shame. Maybe even write that out. Write the two categories out. Um, so how you prepare for it is you feel those things that you might feel guilt for, or intellectually, we've gone through some sins, or you look at the Ten Commandments, and it's like, um, yeah, I've done this one, I've done that one. So you can either look at a list or feel the areas of guilt as well. We have uh, confession guides on our free table out there, um, that table that has a bunch of pamphlets that we all kind of like glance over because there's too many of them. Um, somewhere in there, I think, is a confession guide. And if not, you just come to us. Do you have a confession guide? Yeah, we'll find you one. So that's how you prepare for it, okay? Um, any live questions about preparing for it or anything? Some people write down their sins. I hear like, uh, you know, I, I hear like, uh, you know, someone and they kneel in, my light comes on and I hear, forgive me, Father, for I was like, oh, they wrote that down. Um, so after it, what's beautiful is you could have like a very cathartic ripping up of your sins. I would not leave that paper around <laughs> lightly somewhere. Um, but I'll always remember that because my first year of teaching RCIA and um, one of my favorite, uh, favorite persons, and we're still friends to this day, um, you know, she came in, she was the one that was just like, she kept asking questions that were really tough and like in my face. And I was like, yeah, Jen, that's a great question. Um, but she was like, I got to write this down. So she, um, you know, would say that after that she tore it up into tiny little pieces. And so anyway, you can write it down. That's another way to prepare, but just be sure that disposing of it is really good. Maybe it can be cathartic, light it on fire, do what you want. Um, so that's good. That's how you can prepare. Uh, are there unfor quote unquote unforgivable sins? Uh, I think we talked about this one time. So now we're done with this page and we're on the next full page. Um, I think we talked about this before. There are sins where there are dispositions that God can't forgive you because you're not letting him forgive you. Uh, the first one is presumption. Like, oh, God will just forgive me. So I'm going to sin right now. Okay, so there's no real contrition because if you are taking his forgiveness for granted, there's no real sorrow. If you don't bring sorrow or contrition to a confession, that's one of the major things you need for it to happen. So if there is no contrition, I can do whatever I want. God's just going to forgive me in the end. Um, when I was coming back to the faith, I had that thought of like, can I just do what I want and then just have a deathbed confession? Isn't that, wouldn't that be cool? Um, but then like, I forget what happened, but there's like a near miss that could have been fatal for me. And I'm like, 
Oh, that's why. Um, so um, there are sins of like presumption where it's like, I'm not that contrite. God will just forgive me anyway. So, um, but again, that's one of the things, that's the matter you have to bring, your sins and contrition. And then you hear the words and then, so presumptions one. The second one is despair. And this is the problem with shame. Shame locks people up so much that they say, I am unforgivable. It's a lie, complete lie from the devil himself. If you feel like you are unforgivable, throw that title off of yourself. I would honestly, that is a great prayer. Go before Jesus tonight. If you think like I'm unforgivable and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I cast far from me the false title that I'm unforgivable. So you can just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I, I get rid of this title of unforgivable. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I say the truth that he forgives me in love and mercy because he loves me. So um, that great reversal. So if you feel that despair or that shame and you feel these titles and labels that aren't good for you, go right in there after this and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you can say it internally if someone's like right over there. So um, in the name of Jesus Christ, I get rid of this label that I am unforgivable or unlovable or dirty or shameful. And then once you get rid of it, do the opposite. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pronounce the truth that I am lovable, that God seeks me all the time, that he's merciful and he, yeah, he wants into my life. So get rid of that despair. It's probably from some sort of shame that might need to be worked on. So work on that one. Okay. Uh, you've heard of facts, frequently asked questions, but I did FFF, frequently felt feelings. Um, the priest will judge me. I have 100% been there. Uh, this is a parish of 1,450-ish families and or around 5,000 people. And so, like, the confession lines are beautifully long, and just people will blend together. I was from a parish of uh, 22 families. And so, if... If in confession there was a teenage boy confessing, it was me, the teenage boy. And so I was like, I'm not going to go to confession. Like the priest will exactly know who it is. Um, so I know that feeling. Being on the other side of the screen now, that is, I can't believe how, I don't want, well, I'm calling myself dumb. That's fine. So I can't believe how dumb and ignorant that was to think like the priest would care who it is. Or try to log it, too. Like, no priest logs who is there. And then I was in a, a smaller parish with um, uh, two parishes, 80 families and 30 families. And um, same deal. Even in a small community, you really don't care as a priest. I wish I could have told my teenage self that. Um, the priest just wants to forgive. So um, that feeling of, you know, the priest will judge me. Priest doesn't care what you did. Priest cares that you are there working stuff out. Praise the Lord. Um, and so, yeah, no judgment, none whatsoever. Um, I have essentially heard, I've heard every sin, but adult murder. So, so I have heard, I have heard abortion and, but I have heard every sin, but adult murder. And so there is nothing you've done and you're like, but what about this? And like, you're trying to come up with weird, crazy things. I've heard it. I've I've heard it. So don't let your imaginations go there, but but I have heard it. Just just like you don't have to go there with what you're thinking, but I have heard it. Okay. Um 
And the thing is, like, I the Holy Spirit like grants grace. You hear some something like utterly shocking, and you're like, "Praise God, you're confessing it!" Like, I was excited for the for the people who confess the things that are shocking, and I'm like, "Praise God, are, you know, you're working on this." Yeah, I'm trying to work with a counselor and yada yada yada, and I'm like, "Way to go!" Like, you know, um, so I've. It's very Holy Spirit where these people who confess something. So whatever you've been through, um, I've heard it, literally heard it. Uh, I heard a joke once that the only original sin was Adam's. So Adam and Eve's. That was a that was the only original thing. All of yours, I've heard before. So no judgment. Um, the second one is frequently felt feelings is I'm so nervous. Let the priest know, like, as you kneel down, like, Father, I'm nervous. You know, the priest will start in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you're like, Father, I'm very nervous. It's like, let the priest know, because then we can kind of help you in any way. It's just like, hey, do you need to take a breath? Um, here's the other part of it. If you are nervous, well, yeah, first, let the priest know. And then second, uh, so we can walk you through it. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to forget something. That's okay. I'll. That's what I'm. It's literally what I'm here for. So I'll walk you through it. This is a safe zone. If you don't like the quote unquote box, then ask the priest to go for a walk. I I have some that just want to go for a walk. Okay. Some that go to the office. I cannot go in there. Okay, just come to the office then. It's more face to face. Um, I think I could do anonymous somehow if they worked like if they called Tamara, the administrative assistant, and and like, can the priest be there at 207 with his facing the other way. I could do that, but it'd be in the office and you could look out a window and you're like, I'm not, I'm not confined. Uh, so yeah, I will try, I will do anything to get people to go to confession. So if you are nervous, let us know. We'll walk you through it. We're right here for you. And if you don't like the box, then let's do something else. I'm all for it. Sitting on a bench outside. Um, I remember there was once I went for an anointing of the sick, which is the next one that we got to do quickly. But an anointing of the sick, and the caretaker was the daughter, um, and the daughter was just like, oh, I've kind of been away from the church, and so we just kind of talked, and was like, um, you know, she was shocked that she could go to confession on a walk, so um, spread that news, you know, if you don't mind the box, just keep spreading the news that, like, well, just call father and go for a walk or something. I said it before, but airports, that's pretty fun, um, just like someone grabs you, uh, and then when you're dressed like this, walking on a plane, you get you get a 50-50. 50% are like, oh, praise God. And the other 50% are, are we going down? Um, so I've gotten half and half about that. So um, nice. Lastly, the confessor I already talked about, um, a, a role a priest can take. So yeah, I go to confession to priests. Um, doesn't have to be my confessor. I could just find one. Um, yeah, so that's that. Let me just check the anonymous questions. Just, just for checking, checking state, checking state. Ooh. Nope. Okay. All right. Yeah, go for it. Live question. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Okay, so um, the confessor, the penitential rite at the beginning of Mass, because we start Mass, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Um, brethren, let us come together and, you know, 
uh, call to mind our sins in order to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Um, and then we say, the, you know, call to mind your venial sins, and then we bring them. And the thing that actually, so bring to mind your venial sins, even if you're, you're immortal and you're not going to receive communion then, bring all of those. But what actually does the destruction of those sins that you brought to Mass is the reception of the Holy Eucharist. So you are forgiven in worthy reception of the Eucharist. The venial sins are obliterated, but I would still remember them to bring them to confession because I just think that that space of confession is just helpful or you could receive advice. But great, great, uh, great, great question to kind of bring that up because like, why are we calling to mind our sins here at, at church? Well, it's firstly to be like, do I have any mortal ones? Yes, I'm going to have to abstain. And um, or and then the venial ones like, oh, man, I judged this person at work today. I, I say that as an example. And then I like I like work with Tamara and Mark. And sorry, guys. No, like, no. Uh, that's just an example. It's not you two. We judge you too. That's fine. It's like we're all sinners. <laughs> Weird. It's like we all need confession. Um, but yeah, so that's at that point in mass where beautifully bring those venial sins, because if you have a worthy reception, you are actually forgiven. Um, of the venial sins, they are obliterated. But yeah, I would still kind of, you know, if they're still bugging you, bring them to confession. Um, I wish America did conf did communion like a lot of the, like Italians. Italians, there is no line. There is no line for confession. It is a swarm of people coming forward. That way, like people don't see who goes to communion, who doesn't. Um, it's very brave not to go to communion, I would think. You know, even like come up for the blessing. You know, still, I would honestly say like if you cannot receive during that day, uh, come up for a blessing. What's going through the priest's mind is like, oh, they accidentally ate something. Or, you know, I do not care. I, I'm honestly like when, when someone either signifies they will not receive by placing their hand or hands over their mouth or crossing just to receive a blessing and not the Eucharist, I... I'm I'm just edified by that. They're like, they actually know who's here. Like I I take that as like they know who is here. And so I I'm boosted by that even. Um so worthy reception of the Eucharist is um so beautiful. Great. Um wonderful. I say we get to anointing of the sick. Because that gentle ringing bells will come soon enough. Um so firstly, like anointing the sick, it's so, it's been so part of the, like there's Renaissance pictures of it. Like it's been, you know, there's drawings of this because it's part of the church for ever and ever. So there's a lot of people who confuse it with last rites. Have you heard that before? Last rites. Um, I have a lot of people who are sick and older who will stay away from anointing of the sick because in their mind, it's like last rites. Like I'm not dying. It's like, not what that's not what anointing of the sick is. So the first thing I want you to know about anointing of the sick is it is not quote unquote last rites. Okay, there's a lot more we can do here. Um, whoops. Yeah. So um, that was the first part. Is and then I just got a picture here. So it is not last rites. Many have this fear, saying that you know I'm not dying soon. That's not what this is. This is actually an anointing, a blessing. So. Again, let's go back to the scriptural and tradition parts. Where do we get this from? Uh, Mark 6, uh, anointed the with oil many of the sick and cured them. The big one is James. James says that if someone is sick, 
all the presbyters to pray over them, anoint them with oil, with oil, and their sins shall be forgiven them. So scripturally and apostolically, we have had anointing of the sick, um, you know, within the right as one of the seven. This is one that is repeatable too, because people get sick. So you need kind of this prayer of healing strength, which we'll get to in that next. But so scripturally, that's where it is, anointing of the sick. And what is it? The priest anoints the sick person with blessed oils, lays the lays the priest lays his hands on them to pray for them privately. And then the purpose of all of this is for this healing, strength, peace, and courage. All of the sacraments have like their lane that they kind of stick to on how to get graces. But anointing of the sick really is that first and foremost prayer for healing, which we'll talk about. But then going along with that strength, peace, courage. I mean, you've all been sick. It is terrible. How many of us lose patience? How many of us lose hope? How many of us lose, you know, any kind of good attitude because of sickness? And so what anointing the sick does is praise for that strength to get through it, the peace during any of the diagnoses or whatever, and then the courage to keep going. Um, there's some beautiful modern day saints, um, Chiara, uh, I think she's blessed Chiara in Italy. Um, great to look up her story. As she was dying, she was, everyone around her, just this young woman in her 20s, and her cause for sainthood is going on, but um, just people who died beautifully had those graces of strength and peace and patience, but anyway. So that's what this sacrament is. So the sacrament also forgives the sins of the person if they are not able to go to confession. Um, priests have sacred oils in their um, glove compartment or on them. Father Walmeyer has like something on his keychain where there's oils. So what happens is if we come across like a car accident, I'll be the first to kind of like pull over and just double check like is you know is there a Catholic here? Um, my friend, Father Rowan, I don't know if you know Father Cy Rowan, he was in Wahoo, now he's in Hastings, but, um, that was hard to hear. He had, he came across a pretty awful, awful, awful car accident, but, um, it was beautiful that he was there. Um, so the person did pass away, but was very grateful for the sacrament of anointing of the sick, um, forgiveness of sins because they could not confess at the time. Um, the family was very thankful that he stopped, um, during that horrific time but but we are ready to anoint at any time so it forgives the sins of the person if they can't make a confession um healing so the first part is like healing yes you ask for healing um first and foremost uh we ask god during this anointing of the sick for healing like whatever they are going through jesus could you just heal it in one of the ways that i talked about in the beginning instantly at a distance through a touch progressively the first part is like, Jesus, can you heal this thing? I think we have a problem as modern people. I know I definitely have this problem. I, I you know, as a priest, I'm probably way too, too skeptical. But what you have to do is start reading the modern miracles that are literally going on, that are documentable. That, is that a word? Documentable? That are documented. Let's just go that way. Um, so yes, we pray for healing. And we have a problem sometimes as modern people to be like, healing is possible. Let me just read a story. So this is redundant, but this is the book Healing 
by one of my favorite authors. Her name is Dr. Mary Healy. I know. Um, so Dr. Mary Healy wrote a book called Healing. She had to have known. Um, but anyway, let me just quickly kind of place yourself in this church. Um, so this is a church in America, but what happened is they got a Catholic evangelist from England. So kind of listen best you can. When Damien, uh, when Damien Stain, a lay Catholic evangelist from England, led a healing service at Christ the King Parish in 2013, one of those who attended was Nyla Leopold. Although Nyla had suffered from a form of Parkinson's for 12 years, she came without any expectation of healing for herself. Her brother and her aunt also had Parkinson's and both died profoundly handicapped. Nyla was a woman of deep faith who had accepted her illness, knowing the Lord had not abandoned her. But when Damien asked people with spine and movement disorders to raise their hands for prayer, Nyla knew that meant her. As he led the congregation in prayer, her husband, sister, daughter, son-in-law, and three grandchildren laid hands on her and joined in prayer. Nyla felt a jolt go through her body. Quote, it was like electricity or lightning. There was absolutely no pain with it, but it was like there was power with it. And then it was just over. But I knew I had been touched by God, end quote. Nyla laid down her cane and walked out into the hallway. Later, when Damien asked anyone who had been using a walker or cane to come forward, Nyla's daughter poked her and said, Mom, that's you. After testifying to what she had experienced, Nyla literally danced down the aisles to the amazement and delight of everyone present. She was about one of 200 people who reported healing that night, but hers was particularly striking. A few weeks later, Nyla went to the neurologist at the University of Michigan for a regular checkup. Walking in without her cane, she told him she had been healed. He did not respond. Then he put her through the usual battery of tests, she accounts. This is a quote from her. As I was put through the various tests, he could no longer find any of the previous manifestations of my illness. I Usually the last test would be to have me walk down the hall, stop and turn. I'd usually stumble when I did that and slowly walk back. Well, this time I ran. I stopped on a dime, turned and ran back. He had a big smile on his face. He thanked me for coming in and showing him all that I could do. He said, I don't get to see anything like this. My patients never get better. He said I had no need to come back. I was well. He wrote dismissed on my chart. And the surprise receptionist said, dismissed? We never dismiss patients. Part of it is like as Christians, we think the healing thing was Jesus time. You think the Eucharistic miracles were Jesus time. And I get that too, because where do we get our new information? We get our new information from news, um, from social media, from random people around us. And we don't seek the miracles anymore. Um, but healing miracles are still happening. They're the cause, they're the things that, that, that raised the saints to saints because it's like through their intercession, I received healing. So the first part of anointing of the sick really is pray for healing, pray for a miracle. Honestly, do it with a detached state. Like we can never kind of force God. Like I will love you if you do this. Like that's not a healthy relationship. That's codependency. And God doesn't want a codependent relationship. He wants a healthy all in relationship from both of you. Doesn't want like a, you know, I'll love you as long as X, Y, and Z. So when you ask for healing, especially like I do this with all sincerity, just like 
you know, the healing process. Like first we are praying for healing. If it's his will, he can do it and he will do it. I had one, it's not documented miracle, but like when I baptized, um, did I tell the baptism story here? No. Okay. So what's going to happen is I'm a new pastor and then I'll tell this every year and my parishioners will be like, we've heard it. Um, but I had a, in my former parish, I had a, um, a baptism where something pretty amazing happened. So what had happened was this baby um, at at birth failed her hearing test, just flat out failed. And then they're like, well, br bring her back in three days. So brought her back in three days to the Hastings Hospital. Well, sorry, they were discharged. And it's like, you know what? Like, come in three days. We'll do another hearing test. Did another hearing test, failed again. Then they're like, okay, here's your here's the uh, specialist in Omaha that, that you're going to go see. Like um, maybe they can do cochlear implants. Um, so we'll see what the, what we can do for procedures. Um, so like the mom is very distressed and, and going on, uh, you know, about this, but uh, so she was sla slated to go to Omaha on a Monday, but on the Sunday before, after the 10 AM mass, uh, we had baptism and so part of the baptismal rites is to uh, the priest will touch the ears and then touch the mouth to um, the same thing that Jesus did, the Ephatha prayer, be open prayer, to touch the ears, to hear the word of his gospel and your lips to proclaim the truth. Um, so did that for the little girl and well, little girl baby. And her mom said, I don't know what it was, but when you prayed that father, like something was different. Um, sure enough, they go to Omaha, they run the test and they're like, uh, hold on a second, called Hastings and they were like, well, we have no hearing issues. Like everything is fine. Um, so the mom is just like, it was that prayer at the baptism. That's what did it. And so not documented by any means. Could it have been a mistake? Sure. Just two different doctors on two different days could have just messed something up, but you have to leave room for the fact that Jesus does what he wants. And sometimes that's healing. So, um, yeah, that little girl was, yeah, one of the healing things I think I got to see that was uh, pretty special. So anyway, healing is the, keep asking for that to some degree, especially for anointing. Uh, for strength, peace, and courage, when an illness is completely offered to God and he is not, like his will is like, okay, we're not actually going to heal this one. That's when we ask for the backup things of strength, peace, patience during that time. Ask for these gifts with him in the sacrament of, of the sick, anointing of the sick. And so what takes place is it looks like a mini mass, like just takes all of five minutes where we pray. We pray from James, like, is any sick? The priest will lay his hands upon the sick person, either on their heads or shoulders, whatever, whatever is comfortable for them. And then I just pray privately for them, just kind of my own prayer for them. Asking for a miracle, but if not, then just whatever as well as uh, courage, strength. So I lay my hands on, and then I take the oil that's blessed by the bishop. And first, the first half of the prayer is done on the forehead. Through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. And then the palms of the hands, may the Lord who frees you from sin, save you and raise you up. And you do crosses and crosses. Okay. So that oil is the oil of the infirma or the oil of the sick, blessed by the bishop yearly. Um, and that's what we have in those little metal vials that we keep with us, okay? Um, so that's the matter. The matter is the oil that we use and the touching. And then the form is the words that we have, okay? 
So, um, you know, flipping it over really quickly. And if if it looks like death is imminent and inevitable. Um, so I don't know if you knew, like, um, I think she would love this, actually. Marguerite. I don't know if anyone knew Marguerite from our parish. Um, so, yeah, CCD parents, if you do have to go, like, um, get ready here soon. Um, but, like, towards the end when it's like, yes, this is happening. This this death is happening within the week or two weeks. We give the apostolic pardon. That is the last prayer of the church. And that's what the priest says. By the authority which the apostolic see has given to me, I grant you a full pardon and remission of all your sins. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The apostolic pardon is the most, uh, it is the last prayer for the living that we have. This one, I would be okay if you called last rites, the apostolic prayer. It is not bandied about easily. It is given with great reservation. Um, but yeah, and, and like, um, so a couple of the people who have died in our parish, um, teaching them about the apostolic pardon was really helpful to them. Lastly, priests that it's a fun, this is just a fun fact, I guess. The priests that get this sacrament actually uh, anoint their forehead and then the backs of their hands. Uh, the front of the hand was already oiled and consecrated for the sake of people. And so for us, for our own, uh, we do the back of our hands since the, the front's already covered. Um, so just a fun little fact. There was like a movie from the 50s or 60s or something where, you know, that was like the great reveal at the end. They subtly just anointed the back of this person's hands. He's like, he was a priest. Um, anyway, it was uh, pretty good. But yeah, so anointing of the sick is a beautiful thing. Pray for healing. Miracles do happen. I uh, keep praying for them. Um, kind of a beautiful thing. Let me check just the anonymous questions. And then are there any live questions before as I hit this refresh button? Yes. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. These uh, apostolic pardons say they live past two weeks and they get another year or two. And it's like, yeah, 100%. I would give the apostolic pardon again if I deem the situation. It's not a hard and fast rule of like, um, you know, I got that wrong. Oh, no. Now I have a petition. Is No, it's been given to me to give with my best judgment. So, yeah, you can get anointing several times. So say someone has cancer. Um, you know, you anoint right away with the diagnosis, and then if it progresses worse, where a situation changes, anoint again. Even though it's the same condition, it has worsened and changed, anoint again. You're going in for surgery, and you are over a certain age, or you're going into surgery and you're 30 and it's risky, like there's some risk to it, get anointed, okay? So um, when in doubt, get anointed, okay? <laughs> that, that's just what I'm saying. A lot of people don't know this sacrament, uh, so spread the spread the wealth. Um, call the priest and like, can I get this? We'll tell you yes or no. Yeah. No. So what's what what's beautiful is say they are in a in a coma and it looks like they are not going to they might not come out of this, but they're not dying dying. We would give uh, the anointing of the sick, which would forgive the sins. And then the apostolic pardon is then reserved for like someone is dying. So it's like a double thing where an anointing of the sick takes care of your sins. But the apostolic pardon is the absolute right before death. Yes, um, I grant you full pardon and remission of all your sins. Um, so you reserve it for danger of death while anointing of the sick doesn't have to be in that category. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, perfect. 
here's the beautiful thing, and, and I love I love sharing this. When someone has either dementia, Alzheimer's, get them anointing of the sick at some point. But the beauty is they can no longer sin. You, if you have late stage Alzheimer's or dementia, even though they may act mean or cruel or do something, they are not freely choosing that, so they are not sinning. So that one anointing of the sick has freed them from sin, and they they do they no longer need it. But I'd still bring the priest anyway, just to do the absolute pardon. But um, if you could spread that as well, like you know, my my dad he does these mean things, and and he was never like that. He was really kind. Well, he's not sinning because part of sin is actually choosing it. And sometimes, like with dementia and Alzheimer's, there's no choice. There's no choice. There. So there's no sin. And so that's the beautiful of it. So beautiful part. So if someone hasn't been anointed in that state, I would say like, yeah, get a priest there to anoint. And then from then on, you can have that peace of mind like, well, they're not sinning. They don't need confession. Um, they don't need further. Sorry. There's one more in the last minute that we have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that's not my dad. Like so, as a hospice nurse, you've seen you've seen this. So I want to reiterate that. Yeah. Mm. Sure. I. Yeah. 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 I would say call the priest anyway. The priest will know. Like, um, well, yeah, you know. Um, because when hospice, it's like six months, and then it's like, eh, it's this week or this this next month. I would say go for it. Condition is worsened. I'd say go for it. Yeah, I, I say just when in doubt, anoint. All right, let's let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask for healing in our lives. Give us a prayer life that leads to healing. Uh, Jesus is the divine physician. Help us to invite him into our life exactly where we need him. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And sacraments of healing. Yeah. Pretty amazing, huh? It's like Jesus knew what he was doing. <laughs>